God can't bless who you pretend to be or who you compare yourself to. He can only bless you and the lane that was created for you. I feel that for somebody. You don't need no edge entity. You need boundaries. What? I don't need your likes. I don't need your validation. All I need is a God fighting for me that says all things, all things, all things. Child, listen. It is that time of the week where we get to do that thing that we love. Okay? Giggle, snicker. And just be about our father's business. You may be wondering to yourself, self, why is this podcast so late? Let me explain to you. I tried to podcast during my usual time on Tuesday. And what had happened was, is this. I was on a staycation at a local hotel and the internet was struggling. I could have pushed past the struggle, but sometimes you... uh, I feel a word coming in the spirit realm. Sometimes you have to recognize that struggle is really... God saying, give up. How do you know the difference when you already felt in your spirit that maybe I should give up and the struggle appears? You have to just take heed to what's happening. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm not here by myself. I'm being joined by my co-host from literally all over the world. That's right. I have some of my homegirls chiming in on Facebook Live. For those of you who have not been able to join us, we miss you. Where are you? Be a part of the delegation. I've been on the road for the last oh, two, almost three weeks. And, you know, your girl was tired. And uh, when we talked last, where was I? Last week I was in Nashville, I believe. Nashville, wasn't that? Somewhere. I was somewhere doing the work of the Lord and your girl was struggling. And now I am here and I'm just like adjusting back into my regular life and rhythm. Have you ever just been out in the world doing your thing and then came back to your real life and were like, you know what? I need to figure out who I am again. That's what's been happening. So I am not minding my business. All of that to say, Not minding my business, not drinking my water. Look, I got a whole gallon right here of water that has not been drank, but God is faithful. I see my girl Andrea's chiming in from Austin. For those of you who don't know, I will be in Austin, Texas tomorrow night speaking. And then from there, I will be in Richmond, Virginia on November 2nd. I will be on the Faith and Family Cruise November 9th through the 16th, and then I will be in the bed for the rest of the year. So if you are in any of those areas or coming around to the cruise, I want you guys to go in there, sarahjakesroberts.com, all the details. Jasmine says, hi, Auntie Sarah. You have truly been blessing me. I've been drinking my water, minding my business between schoolwork and running a nonprofit. Prayer, your podcast says, listen, let me tell you, it sounds like you are about the Lord's work as well. Okay, so I, like I said, being joined from all over, I see Dallas is in the building. I see my girl Karina Kina says your skin looks so good, which is amazing because, once again, haven't been minding my business. Aisha says, OMG, it's always the middle of the night when you go live, watching live for the first time, representing Kenya. Hey, Kenya, I need to do an, um, a podcast 
Africa version for my homies in Kenya and Nigeria. I'm going to even throw the UK in there a little bit because sometimes we go live and y'all can't even be a part of it. So I have to figure out the time difference and see if I could do a version just for you guys. LaRonda says, what kind of water? It's regular water, but I put electrolytes and vitamins in it so it changes the color. All right, Orlando's in the building. Baltimore's in the building. How y'all doing? What is going on in the world? Shannon says, just booked the conference. Hey, child. We cannot wait to see you. Okay, listen, it's time for us to get into the get down. Okay, so for those of you who started listening to the podcast as a result of being at a night in the wild, let me tell you, you are in for a treat because it is time for us to rescue someone. You may remember from being live with us on the podcast that Rescue Eve is a time in our show where we look at things that are happening in the news and around the world. And we say to ourselves, we say, self, how can we rescue these people? What is it that they're doing? When you rescue someone, they're supposed to know better, but they aren't doing better. But that's all right. We have grace for that. We have grace for that because we know what it's like to know better and not do better. It's why we call it Rescue Eve because our homegirl Eve, okay, she struggled. We love her, but she struggled. And some you got to love people. You got to learn to love folks who struggle. I'm all up in the word, okay? So how about that? All right. Whitney says, yes, I did. And I've been checking up on all the podcasts since the night in a while. Hey, Whitney, we welcome you. What's up? Okay, listen. So our first rescue. Child. Child. This is gonna this is gonna go deep because I know the delegation and they've been asking me for a long time about some of the things regarding sandwiches from Chick-fil-A and Popeyes. I've been silent about this. I have not wanted to get into my personal thoughts and opinions. Um, but I think that this story is really gonna lead us there because I could not help but see the correlation, okay? So how about this? There's a Panera Bread employee who has been brought under fire. A woman who posted a viral video exposing how Panera Bread prepares its mac and cheese says she's now fired from the company. The clip, which was originally posted on the video sharing app TikTok and has been viewed more than 10 million times on Twitter, shows an employee whipping up an order of the restaurant's famous creamy dish. In it, the employee can be seen dropping a plastic packet of frozen mac and cheese into hot water, then cutting the bag open and pouring the food into a bowl. The original video caption exposing Panera gained both outrage and skepticism from social media users. Can I ask y'all a question? Why? 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 Y'all, why was we shocked? Does that Panera macaroni and cheese taste like somebody's grandmother is back there grating up cheese and making a roux and melting the cheese in the roux? I just, I don't understand. I want to rescue this precious lamb. And I want to rescue every soul that thought that that macaroni and cheese was homemade. Have y'all tried the macaroni and cheese? It's fine. It's fine. But like, It don't taste homemade. Jasmine Elaine says, OMG, my soul hurts. What? Jocelyn says, why are y'all eating mac and cheese from Panera anyway? Uh, Because sometimes you think that you can, and then you don't know if you can. Armani says, ha, 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 thank you. You couldn't possibly think it's made with love. I'm saying, listen, 
it tastes like, and it's fine. It's nothing wrong with it. If that's what you have, if your taste buds say, I want some macaroni and cheese from Panera, your taste buds are grown. Let your taste buds do what they want to do. But it literally tastes like somebody put it in a frozen pack, dropped it in some hot water and mixed it up. And that's fine. You know what? You know what? You know what I want to add to this? Um, speaking of macaroni and cheese, um, our beloved Chick-fil-A has entered the macaroni and cheese game. And I really wanted to taste it because I wanted to understand. I wanted to understand. First of all, I, I just needed to understand because I saw some things and people were saying that somebody's grandmother is working at Chick-fil-A making macaroni and cheese. And um, I, I, you know, can I say? That it it must I don't know whose grandmother it is But it's not a grandmother that I've met I think Chick-fil-A fries an excellent bird I know some of you are vegan And this is the part where you want to turn it down I think that Chick-fil-A I think that it fries an excellent bird I don't know about Chick-fil-A mac and cheese I think you got to know where your anointing is you got to know where where your function is. See, this is what happens when you start functioning in things that's not necessarily your anointing. I, I, I wasn't impressed. Reagan Allen says Chick-fil-A isn't bad. It's actually good. I'm not going disres to disrespect my granny and compare it, but it's good. That's what I'm saying. It's, but to me, the Chick-fil-A macaroni and cheese, and let me just say that this is a really fat conversation that we're starting this show off with. But I just want to say that Chick-fil-A's macaroni and cheese and Panera's mac and cheese are cousins. You see what I did there? For those of you wondering what the macaroni and cheese tastes like at Panera, it's, it's they're cousins. They, they know where each other live. Who they are not related to at all is your grandmother's macaroni and cheese. And I think as long as you go into it just like with that in your head, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Tina says, ha, ha, ha. I'm turning it up because I'm not a vegan. I know that's right because, praise the Lord. Melissa said, exactly. Chick-fil-A mac and cheese is just some glorified stovers. Listen, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to eat. But y'all got to stop telling folks this stuff is delicious. And then we get there and we, we're like, it's all right. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Ashley says, I haven't tried it, but everything from Chick-fil-A is blessed by God. I can agree with that. It, I can agree with that. So um, rescue. Do y'all want to rescue this precious lamb from Panera? And just to answer the question, this just to answer the question, you guys have been asking me about the Chick-fil-A versus the Popeye sandwich. Let me, can I explain to you how I ended up um, in the situation where I was tasting the Popeye's chicken sandwich? I was at our campus in Denver. I was hungry. We were in a staff meeting. I think about food a lot. I postmated some food. I, I, first of all, I saw on Instagram, people were talking about a sandwich at Popeye's. So I postmated. I said, Lord, if it's your will for me to have this sandwich, you got to ask the Lord about these things. I said, Lord, if it is your will for me to try this sandwich, it'll be on Postmates. I go on Postmates. I go to Popeye's. There it is. Okay, this is what I want to say. I tried the, the Popeye's chicken sandwich, and the one in Denver was actually delicious. Okay, there was a nice crunch to it. It was seasoned well, had a nice little sauce situation. I don't know where you fall on the mayonnaise scale. Some people don't like mayonnaise at all. I feel like the more mayo, the better. That's where I fall. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me, okay? And um, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. 
My children, I text my son. My son is a chicken connoisseur, Malachi. I hope to have him on the show one day. He's a chicken connoisseur. He's been eating chicken nuggets. I, I was a teen mom. All he knows is chicken nuggets, okay? So my son, um, I text my son. I said, son, you got to try this chicken sandwich from Popeye's. It's quite delicious. Uh, so my son tried the one. He was in L.A. He tried it in Los Angeles. Wasn't the same chicken sandwich that I had in Denver. I could tell because he said it was dry. Mine was drenched in mayonnaise. I said, no way that we had the same sandwich. And this is where and lies the issue. Chick-fil-A in L.A., Chick-fil-A in Denver, Chick-fil-A in Dallas, Chick-fil-A in Chicago. These are all the places where I've had Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Consistent. I ain't never had a Chick-fil-A sandwich in Dallas that didn't taste like Chick-fil-A in LA. I've never experienced it. And I think that where Popeye struggles is probably going to have to struggle in really overcoming. It's just an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity for growth. I'm not saying that they can't overcome this, but it is an opportunity for growth. Um, we're going to have to be consistent with this chicken sandwich, because I need to know that when I tell someone that they can stand by it, that it's going to be exact. They need to listen to my husband's message from the Potter's House Dallas on Sunday where he talks about consistency. Because I just want us to be consistent. Having said that, by default, Popeyes cannot win this competition because it's not consistently going to be the same sandwich. Okay, how about that? CeCe Grizz says, you can't fool with everybody, Popeyes. You have to have your own and stick with it. I, I couldn't agree more. Whereas Chick-fil-A is consistent. That's how you know the Lord is working because it's consistent. Lanisha says, well, they struggling anyway because they don't even got any more. They aren't they ain't reliable or consistent because that's the other thing when I found out but let me tell you how there was a word in that and if I had time I would take a text but what I'm going to say is this that you got to be prepared for success oh my oh my wait a minute sometimes I talked about this a little bit where we always talk about we're trying we're trying we're trying well when you step into success if you don't have the structure to support the success that is attached to the vision God has given you then you will fail not because it wasn't good not because it wasn't timely, but because you weren't prepared for it to be successful. I want you to dream like everything you dream is going to be successful. You go into the grocery store, you about to cook dinner, you nervous because cooking is not your thing. I want you to prepare for it to be successful. Pay attention to that recipe because this is going to become a recipe that people ask for all the time. You're at the job and you're trying to get some things done at the job and you're wondering whether or not it's going to be successful. Prepare. Just get yourself, get your humble nod, your humble thank you nod ready because when you complete that mission on the job. I want to, I want them talking to somebody tonight that when you complete that job, that you're going to just be prepared for the success. So you're going to have the humble nod when you walk through the hallways of the office. You, are you all familiar with the humble nod? It's, um, you got to close your eyes when you do it, but it's a slow, it's just a little humble nod. Um, I, I, I don't want to, it's, I don't want to, it's a humble night. I, I don't know how else to explain it. If you're listening on iTunes, I need you to go on Facebook Live so that you can see the humble night that you're going to have when you prepare for this success. Did you hear what I'm saying? This is what I'm saying. Jay says, Chick-fil-A is the only fast food restaurant allowed in heaven. Everything else is pure. I couldn't agree more. Wanda says, how come Popeye's still out of the chicken sandwiches? I, when I say still out of the chicken sandwiches, I mean they weren't even prepared for it. 
Latoya says Popeye's sandwich sold out in Ohio three weeks ago and never returned. And then they're going to try and see. And then you got to pick up. I'm not saying that they can't make a comeback after their setback, but you got to work harder because you wasn't prepared for the success. And that's fine. Sometimes you got to work harder, but it would be better if you just prepared for your success. I feel something brewing here. Maybe it's I'm hungry. I'm not sure. Michaela says, always start my morning with your YouTube videos. Always putting it all in perspective. Thank you. Hallelujah. Kenya says, humble nod. Well, listen, the humble nod. I want to prophesy humble nods all over the building. Humble nods, humble nods. Aaliyah says, Chick-fil-A just opened a store in the UK this week. I wonder if the consistency stretches overseas. Well, Aaliyah, there's only one way to find out. I need you to take one for the team. Right now, we're trying to eat right because Thanksgiving is around the corner. And those of us who enjoy eating know if I don't pull this thing in the other direction, by the time Thanksgiving comes, I'm going to be all out of control. So we're trying to yank it back. We're trying to snatch things back in perspective. But you over in the UK can give us um, a glimpse into what's happening over there. Jamie always smiling says Popeye's had a group of friends running it. Chick-fil-A had a team word to PT. That's you better listen to the called leaders so you understand what the understanding is. Okay, um, so I'm not sure how we got. Oh, Panera. Okay, so all right. We're gonna rescue her because we just want you all to know that. It didn't. It really wasn't going to be made by chefs anyway. I didn't even take a poll from the delegation, but I, I think that we want to rescue them. I have a story that I think is going to bless so many of us. I read it and I said, wow, self, this is something that I needed to see for my own life. OK, so here's the thing. My next rescue is Alicia Keys. I want to rescue Alicia Keys. I want to rescue Alicia Keys from a perspective that many of us have. And I believe that in rescuing Alicia Keys that we will all evolve as a delegation, okay? So just so we know, we did rescue the Panera worker. Ashley Harper says, send the jet for the worker, but we can't save the mac and cheese. Gonna let the mac and cheese drown. Yema says, we'll have grandma mac and cheese on the jet. Oh, this is why the delegation needs each other. I wanted to just rescue her. Ashley says, get the jet. Yema says, and give her some macaroni and cheese. That is going to bless her life. Okay, so hallelujah. Hallelujah, holla back. All right. Alicia Keys. Let's rescue Alicia Keys, guys. I want you guys to pay attention to this story and see if you, like me, see yourself in it. The 15-time Grammy Award-winning artist revealed on Red Table Talk that a number of her popular songs, such as Girl on Fire and Superwoman, were written during times that she felt the weakest. It's so interesting that I've become known for songs that are empowering for women, Keys 38 told the host of Red Table Talk. I realize now that the times that I've written those songs are the times I needed those songs. It was usually at times when I felt so unstrong, so unsuperwomanly, so weak or confused or feeling misunderstood that the only way to get through that was to write what I was hoping for. Later in the interview, Keys touched on the subject again when Pinkett Smith's mother, Banfield Norris, asked her what was her biggest what was the biggest misconception people have of her. She says, probably that I'm very happy, Keys admits, surprising the other women, or that I'm very strong. I have been doing this thing for many years where I have been downplaying whatever it is I need because I never want to come off as too demanding. 
I always thought that that was a very righteous, beautiful way to be. I've been battling potentially some self-worth issues because for whatever reason, I feel I'm not deserving of greatness. I've been smushing it down for so long that it has become a habit, a bad habit. So you guys have to go ahead and watch this episode from Red Table Talk. I haven't fully seen it yet, but uh, I read a few articles about this story. And I think the part of it that really stood out to me is this notion of downplaying whatever it is that she needs because she never wants to come off as too demanding. And I saw myself as that Um, I saw myself in that. And I think that we have an opportunity to like rescue her and perhaps ourselves from this perspective of requesting what we need in some way makes us difficult to work with or challenging or I don't know. I don't know what I can tell you for myself. So as a mom and a wife and a businesswoman, there are things that could make my role easier. But I don't like asking people for those things or to do those things because I don't ever want to make it seem like 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 to her point that I'm being demanding or that I'm challenging to work with. And I do that at a detriment to myself. I make my life harder. I make things more challenging. I generally walk around with the attitude afterwards because I didn't take the opportunity to say, hey, can you do this? Or, um, you know, hey, I need help with this. One of the things I've been challenging myself with lately is like really making sure that I am direct, So there are people, for instance, who work for me, and I'll say to them, like, if you don't mind coming in to finish that task, I would really appreciate that. Now, that sounds nice and stuff, but it also sounds optional. And when you're dealing with certain people who prefer for you to be direct, when you do something that sounds optional, then it's difficult for them to tell like where your hard lines are and where your boundaries are. And I think I have such a fear of becoming like bossy, which I hate the word bossy. My daughter, Ella, is three. And I've been trying to like break out of the habit of calling her bossy because we never call boys bossy. And at the end of the day, she says what she needs. And I don't don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I don't want her to feel like this guilt for being a boss or knowing, not knowing what she needs. Anywho, um, I'm working on that. I want to rescue her and myself from this perspective. Let's see what the delegation says. Kina says, I just know what I want. And I try not to be a diva spirit all of the time, spirit all the time, especially in business. It's hard. Jocelyn says, rescue. Matter of fact, hail Mary for her transparency. So, so good. You're right. I I was kind of torn. I didn't know which one to make this, but I totally agree. Adrena says, boundaries are real. But you know what happens? So this I don't want to be demanding thing, it plays out in our relationships as well. I can remember in a lot of toxic relationships that I was in before I met my incredible husband that like I didn't want to say like if you call me every single morning and then you stop calling me. I didn't want to say like, why did you stop calling me or what's going on? Because I didn't want to make it seem like I was being demanding or requiring someone to be consistent. But the truth is like, sometimes we are requiring people to be consistent. If you're going to be in my life and you're going to become a part of my growth, then I need you to be consistent. Like, you know, Uh, My husband and I have this rule. So like if something that the other person does or says makes one of us uncomfortable, like we don't have this debate about, well, are you just being insecure? Because if you're just being insecure, you need to get over it. Because at the end of the day, our end result is that you're uncomfortable. And anytime you're uncomfortable in this relationship, this relationship fails to 
meet the level of trust and security that it needs to have. And so it doesn't matter whether it's insecurity or not. If you want me to stop, I'll stop. It doesn't matter whether or not I'm right or wrong. I mean, we have limits. I think we're both reasonable and we're whole enough to not be like, oh, well, I don't like it when you breathe around other women. But there is something to saying, like, at the end of the day, if this is what you need in order to feel safe in our relationship, then I'm willing to give that to you. And to do that, trusting that the other person won't abuse that. But I I think that that notion of being demanding is something that plagues a lot of women and robs a lot of us from building with efficiency, because by the time we go back and forth trying to not sound demanding and trying to make things optional, like we've lost time, money, resources, in which we could have just said, hey, I need you to finish this by this afternoon. Like that's it's it's it's. It's true. I'm learning. Like, I'm learning to function in that. Like, I need this task finished by this afternoon. Thanks. You know what I mean? Like, it's not it's not. Can you please if you don't mind? Not when not when we out here getting paid. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I need it. I need it to get done. And if you tell me that you're able to do it, then I would like for it to get done. So I'm learning. Um, to balance that with still being kind. But at the end of the day, you know what else I've learned as a leader? Like, I'm not just asking you to do what I need done. Like, I'm also, how are you? What's going on in your world? Like, what can I do to serve you and to help you? So this, this is the key. And I'm just thinking this out while we're talking, okay? But like, I think that when we learn to balance our needs with also empathy and love and concern for the other person, then we can trust our ability to communicate our needs. Because it can't just be about what you need, whether they're getting paid or not, there's still a person on the other end and you have to be considerate of what's going on in their world, what's going on in their life. So it can't be just what you need, but you also have to make sure that you're checking in on that person as well. And so I want to be direct when it comes to work, direct when it comes to getting things done, and I want to be compassionate when it comes to an interpersonal relationship. That's that's all I'm saying. Justin Latricia Skinner says, not only have I learned to open up to voicing my needs, I'm learning to allow my husband to do it without stepping on how I think it should be done. And what a word this is, Justin Latricia. I'm y'all must share an Instagram or your name is Justin. I don't know, but this is what I'm gonna say. You spoke a word with that because asking someone to do something the way that you would do it means that you could end up being frustrated. But if at the end of the day the goal is for it to get done and then maybe later you can say, you know what, I found a way that might be a little bit bit quicker or might make things a little bit better for you to do in the future. Maybe you want to incorporate that when you move forward. That's one thing. But like you cannot control how it gets done, the outcome of how it gets gets done and like be a micromanager in the process. Sometimes all that matters is that it gets done in a way. I was thinking about this because we have a couple that we were counseling and the husband was taking care of the kids and the mom was so frustrated because she came home and the baby was in the wrong set of pajamas and they didn't have the right thing for dinner. And the husband was so proud of himself, though, because he was like, I took care of the baby. I didn't call her. The baby was asleep when she got home. Now the house was a mess and all of these things, right? And she was so frustrated because she feels like when I do it, it's done this way. But at the end of the day, like, sis, you wanted a break. He put on his big boy pants. He gave you a break with the baby. So, like, maybe the house wasn't clean. Maybe it wasn't done the way that you would want it to be done. But at the end of the day, like, he stepped out of his comfort zone, you know, whether or not 
not he should have been doing it all along. Y'all have to talk about that later. But at the end of the day, like we have to celebrate the fact that the baby is still alive. The baby is asleep. The baby is dry. And at the end of the day, that's pretty much all that matters. You wanted to come home to um, a better version of yourself with a baby that was still alive. And my dude, he held it down. Now, moving forward, we can talk about systems that can help him have a more efficient time. But you got to you got to celebrate it being done the way that that person can do it. Mariah Williams says, so true. I work so much better when I am seen by my supervisor and boss. There's nothing like being seen. My husband and I have this conversation, you know, when we're like all tired and stuff. We're like, you know what? Like, I think you're taking me for granted. He's like, I think you're taking me for granted. And at the end of the day, what we're saying is I just want you to see the sacrifice connected to what I'm giving. And anytime a person feels seen, whether or not they should need it, like I think in the highest version of ourselves, we should say, you know what, like I don't need anyone to validate me. I do what I do for for the goodness of the kingdom or I do what I do for the bigger picture and I don't need to be seen or validated. And maybe there are some people who are just like that, but there are people like myself, like those who I work with, who enjoy an opportunity to say like, hey, I understand this sacrifice connected to what you did. Thank you for taking the time to do that. And I think that that makes a huge difference and makes the person want to work even harder. Like I know for me, when my husband's like, babe, you know, oh, you made an excellent dinner. I go home and I'm like, I want to cook something else. Chef Sarah in the building. What y'all going to do about it? Because it's just something about being acknowledged for doing something that is maybe should be a part of your norm, but still has sacrifice. You can never forget that no matter what a person does, that there is a sacrifice connected to it, whether they're volunteering, whether they're getting paid, et cetera, et cetera. Everything comes with sacrifice and acknowledging that sacrifice is the way to ensure that that person doesn't feel like they're being taken advantage of. So that was, we really, I don't even know how. Demand. Okay, we talking about Alicia Keys being demanding, and so we're gonna rescue ourselves. Do y'all um y'all want to rescue them? Yeah, we're gonna rescue Alicia Keys. Let's let's keep it one hundred. We're gonna rescue Alicia Keys because life is hard out here, and sis is out here doing the best that she can do, and the rest of us are as well. But we're gonna step into another level of being direct. We won't even call it demanding. We'll call it being direct. It's like, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in the car and whoever you're with was like, what do you want to eat? And you knew what you wanted to eat, but you didn't want to say anything because you didn't want to come off as fat or you didn't want to come off as like saying something that you knew no one else was going to eat. But at least say what you need. Saying what you need doesn't mean that you're going to get what you need, but it does mean that you at least put it in the atmosphere for consideration. And when you can learn to stand by your own truth in your own voice, whether or not the outcome is what you desire, it trains you to be integrous with your identity and presentation to others. That was deep. That was so deep. Somebody better write that down. Christiana says, of course we're rescuing her. She did nothing but be human. Marilyn says, rescue her. Salinthia says, rescue. Shannon says, direct is the perfect word. Okay, so homework, delegation homework, okay? I want you guys to log on to our Instagram or our Facebook page, and I want you guys to tell us between now and next week a time when you stretched yourself 
and being direct where your inclination was to deny what you really wanted or to try and present it in a way that was sugarcoated, but how you instead chose to be direct. Now, ground rules. Direct is not brutally honest. That means that like if somebody's getting on your nerves, like you don't get to say you're getting on my nerves. You know what you have to say instead? That hurt my feelings. Ooh, we would rather say you get on my nerves than saying you hurt my feelings or that I'm in, I'm not in a place right now where I can receive that level of communication. Like be direct. Direct, but don't be rude. Okay, that's your homework between now and next week. I want to know about it. I'm going to try and do my homework as well. I'm going to, I can't wait. And I can't wait to tell you guys about it next week. It's going to be something. Shay says, listen, child, people don't want to be direct, but to have 20,000 standards. So true. Okay. So, all right. So this is actually something I didn't chose two people that I knew y'all was going to rescue because when we get down to this next story, Talia says, I'm always direct, but very considerate. Talia, show us your ways. We want to be more like you. Come on now. Okay, so, and Kim Carroll says, direct is being honest with yourself first. If y'all never log on to Facebook sometimes to just see what the saints are saying, there'll just be so many words and so many snacks on Facebook Live. Okay, so I don't know how you guys are going to feel about this story, but I chose it anyway. So here we go. Holy Ghost, help us. A husband has taken to the internet looking for answers to his predicament after revealing that his wife got pregnant when he thought she was on birth control. The 31-year-old man says he's now considering divorce over her betrayal because he claims they had both agreed that they never wanted kids in the first place. The man started off his post by saying that he had been using condoms when they got intimate and she has been on birth control since she was 14. While he eventually bit the bullet and got the vasectomy two weeks ago, it seems it was two weeks too late. So about two weeks before the vasectomy, me and the wife were getting down to business and I realized that I'd ran out of condoms. He started this post. She reminded me that she's on birth control, so we proceeded with the deed. I'll go get some more condoms after the vasectomy happens and everything's all good. It turns out that everything isn't all good for him, though, as his wife has just told him that she's six weeks pregnant. No single method of birth control is 100% effective, but in this case, he says his wife admitted that she hadn't been on her birth control for the past few months. Let me tell you something. My girl is a little scandalous. I've heard of trapping someone to get married, but I ain't never heard of trapping someone while you married. Sis, we need to talk about this. Jamie says, my guy doesn't want to know what that daycare bill is looking like. We need to talk, sis. Sis, are you in the delegation? We need to talk to you about. Sandria says she should have been direct. You better. <laughs> Not funny. Okay, listen, don't laugh. She is big. Is this, can we rescue her from the, she knows better but didn't do better. Can we rescue her for this? I mean, Paris Freeman says, yes, yeah, she should have told him she wasn't on anything. She not yet yeah, that she told him she was on something that I mean, I don't. So here's the thing. When I was first getting married, someone told me, you know what? You guys may not agree on how many children you want to have. 
You know, he may want two, you may want four, but you should agree on whether or not you want to have children in general. And if that changes, what do you do in that situation? Tanya says no rescue. She got just what she wanted. Gabby says she has the right to change her mind, but doesn't have the but does doesn't have the right to inform him. But she does have the but she doesn't have the she has the right to change her mind, but she has the responsibility to inform him. Yeah, like okay, so don't do that. Don't don't do that. Tarnisha says no rescue. If the shoe was on the other foot, it would be a problem. So it's not fair. I mean, okay, so. This is all she can hope for at this point is that he sees the baby and falls completely in love. But how could you? It's just going to be difficult to trust someone who who played you like this. I don't know. Victoria says pray and communicate. Karen says why can't we blame him? He he has responsibilities. Oh, my phone is ringing. That's so unprofessional. Well, we're not blaming him because if it was an accident, that was one thing. But she kind of trapped him. Karina says that is so sneaky. I would divorce her just off of that. Well, he's trying to divorce her. I mean, like technically speaking, like technically, you. I mean, technically, they should go through some counseling and some maybe a little separation. You know, because every time she has a pregnancy symptom, he's going to be like, "You trapped me." And this is, you know, ten months of. Of it. And so she's going to need some prayer. He's going to need some prayer and they're going to need some therapy and perhaps a little space to kind of figure out because she she trapped them. She trapped them. Alexandra says someone said we're just rescuing the baby. Oh, well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Seems like we are going to rescue, but it's not going to be sis. Tara says, yeah, rescue her because in the end, God blessed them with the baby. And, you know, that is that is another way to look at it. Tarnisha says he trusted her and that was a strong violation. Not only like it's not like she told him she was on a diet and was eating carbs in the car, but like a whole life is coming into the world that he is going to be responsible for, you know, and if he's not responsible for it, then he's going to be penalized and looked at crazy. Like it's just a it's just a messed up situation, which to everyone else's point on Facebook Live, it plays back into our responsibility to be direct and demanding when when we can because life is out here being real. Shanika says, question is, is he still going to take care of the baby? Let me tell you, who who knows where this is going? LaRonda Kennedy says, that's a hard pill to swallow. No pun intended. I'm going to have to say that there was some pun intended there. Vania says, nah, because what if the baby is bad? Now all three members. <laughs> Vania, how you see that that far down the road? No such thing as bad children, just children who haven't been disciplined or, or, or perhaps even loved or communicated to properly. That's what that's what someone would say, which is true. Right. That's true. Paris says, don't rescue. Now the question will be wrong. If he doesn't want to step up, will he be wrong? I know this is. It sounds like the delegation doesn't want to rescue. We're rescuing the baby. And by rescuing, I mean that I am willing to go in on daycare, but I can't I can't actually raise the baby because I got six kids. But some of us, we're just going to all chip in and, and help in some capacity. I got five on daycare. That's about what I got. That's about the end of everything I got on it. So if anyone else wants to step up, here we go. 
Shandra says, men put us in these situations all the time with outside babies. Oh, okay. Men, where they lie and say they use women. Shandra, God, God wants to bring us healing in the area of men putting us in these situations. We Not all men do that, and, and just because some do doesn't mean that it's right. We need to have healing because it's not, it's not right. Miss Kitty says, he slept with her. He's responsible, by the way, of breaking it. Breaking and entering? What is happening? <laughs> what is happening in the comments? Breaking and entering? What? <laughs> Tina says, I'll send a dollar a day until the baby is born. Do you know how much money a dollar a day is? It's 10 months of pregnancy. three. Uh, a dollar. Okay, Tina. Um, if we ever find this person, this hypothetical person who we have no idea who it actually is, we will give them a dollar a day. Until the baby is born. After that, though, I hope you're saved. Sharia says, what's your opinion on disciplining kids? It depends on what discipline is necessary. Now, what type of discipline are you talking about? That's the question. And let me tell you, you ain't going to have me on no podcast talking about how I discipline my children so the, so five O can roll up on me. Doubt it. Okay? Listen, that's what I know for sure. So we're going to start. Okay, Terry says... Is that no? Talia says the baby needs a GoFundMe account. All right, Saints. So listen, sounds like we need a GoFundMe account for this precious lamb, so that um, we can get the support and help that is needed to get everyone through this challenging season. Once again, that's only up until the baby is born. Hallelujah, holla back. Um, you know what? This is gonna have a lot to worry about. Is he going to be in the picture? Is he not going to be in the picture? Can she deal with herself? How is she going to explain this to the child? If the but, but you know what? In the perfect world, he forgives her. They raise this baby together. Everything is fine. And she becomes an honest Betty after this. Not a petty Betty, an honest Betty. That would be ideal. But you know what? There's one thing that she won't have to worry about. And that's thanks to our partners at Noom. My sister's not going to have to worry about the baby weight. You know why? Because if she's listening to this podcast, she can just log on to noom.com slash evolve to learn how she can lose that baby weight and have one less thing to be stressed about. You know what I love about Noom? I love that Noom doesn't just focus on counting calories to help you lose weight, but it helps you to really understand your habits and patterns that keep you from achieving and sustaining healthy choices. Because it's based in psychology, which we all need, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and arms you with the tools to break the bad habits and replace them with better ones. I can't think of a better opportunity for her and us to grow together. Listen, why did you do the things that you do? And let's make better habits. If you're a foodie like me, you're going to love that no food is good, bad, or off limits. Noom teaches moderation and can be used in conjunction with many pre-existing popular diets if you want. If you want to start establishing healthy patterns without pressure, Noom is the place to start. It doesn't require that you change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com evolve. What do you have to lose except for a few pounds, sis? Visit Noom.com evolve to start your trial today. That's Noom.com evolve, the last weight loss program you'll need. I love Noom. I downloaded it on my phone. Now that I'm trying to snatch it back before Thanksgiving, I want to encourage all of you to get on the good foot with me so that we can be snatched up until Thanksgiving. We can be unsnatched and then we can be snatched again right after Thanksgiving. Now is not the time to give up. It's winter. It's getting cold. You like them extra pounds. You think you 
know what? I'm going to throw a chunky sweater on top of it. I'm going to be fine. I want to bind the spirit of chunky sweater. Chunky sweater is from warmth, is for warmth, not covering up what we are eating. Let's get on this noon wagon and see what thus saith the Lord. How about that? Aisha says, segue into the ads. I love it on the floor. First of all, what y'all going to do is get these ads. And what I love so much is that you guys are commending me on these transitions because it takes, y'all think I'm playing, it takes work for me to, to do these transitions. But how about that? How about that? Okay. Amber says, slide this sponsor in the mix then. Tragedy says, so sis, you just going to slide that commercial in there? Did you see it? It was a nice slide. It was a nice slide. Katima says, I was lost for a minute. 60-second commercial break. It's fine. We're back. Back at it like we never left. Daria Lester says, I really love them for real, for real. All they need to add is some scriptures, and they are all the way in. Well, sis, we can do the scriptures, and Noom can do the do the weight loss. How about that? How about that? Okay, so Hail Mary. Hail Mary is the time in the show where we just take a minute and we acknowledge things that are happening in the world that are worthy of celebration and acknowledgement. I love this story. Uh, this story came over from my good sis, Jamie Always Smiling. It says, a South Carolina jail took to social media on Sunday to share some inspiring news with the public. According to the Darlington County Sheriff's Office, 18 inmates at the W. Glenn Campbell Detention Center were baptized this weekend under the guidance and supervision of local ministers. Jail doesn't have to be the end. It can be the very beginning of the ultimate forever. The Sheriff's Office shared in their post on Facebook, the support from the ministers and other leaders right here in our own community is strong, the post continues. A group of veterans led by Representative Robert Williams come in to mentor the men Please continue to pray for the amazing happenings at W. Glenn Campbell Detention Center. I love this. If you guys have been listening to the podcast, then you guys know that it's really in my heart to start a ministry for women who are who have been incarcerated and who are coming out of prison and need help transitioning and reintegrating back into society. That's one of the things that I really want to do. And I'm praying by 2020 that we will have some exciting programs in the work. When I was in Canton, Ohio, there were inmates who were able to come out to the conference I was speaking at, and I had an opportunity to meet them at the end and just hug on them and love on them. But what I love so much is how supportive the staff was of their transformation. They let me do things that you know, I think are typical, typically frowned upon, but because of just the power of the anointing in that moment, I was able to like really embrace them and smile, get them to smile and to just encourage them. So anytime I see a story about inmates who are being touched and people who are going inside of the prisons, it just stands out into my mind. So I love it. Leah says, yes, your passion, you will achieve it. Karina says, yes, yes, and yes. DJ says, can't wait to come to the conference next year. We can't wait. We can't wait to see you. Melody Way says, now that's kingdom. Yes. Ashley Smith says, praise God. He is sovereign. I love it. Baptized in the prison is amazing. And if they can come to know the Lord in their circumstance and situation, which I think is amazing because it could be argued that like, 
you know, maybe that's the place where they would have no hope at all. But when hope creeps in, it doesn't matter whether you're in a prison or in a corporate boardroom. When hope creeps in, it is undeniable. And when God has decided to touch someone, he doesn't care where they are. He will use anything to get to them. And I think that we all have an opportunity in our respective capacities to be that person that God uses. So I love what they're doing there. And it sounds like the delegation is feeling it as well. Shay says, I'm touching and agreeing with you, sis. Yes. Thank you, guys. I need that. I need that prayer. Okay, so my next story says all women Delta crew flies 120 girls to Nassau headquarters to empower female aviators. Delta is soaring to new heights in its effort to close the aviation gender gap. In honor of International Girls in Aviation Day, the airline launched a flight from Salt Lake City to Nassau in Houston that was made up exclusively of female crew members and passengers. The fifth annual wing flight carried 120 girls aged 12 to 18 to Texas and was arranged and orchestrated by women from the pilots and ramp agents to the gate from the pilots and ramp agents to the gate agents, Delta said in a statement. The initiative was first launched in 2015 as a means of exposing young girls to STEM careers as those industries are largely male-dominated. This year, the group toured NASA's Mission Control Center, Building 9, Johnson Space Center, and Space Center Houston, and also ate lunch with NASA astronauts and aerospace engineer Jeanette Epps. Let me tell you, I wish that I could send my 10-year-old daughter on something like this when she is, of course, of age. I think it's absolutely incredible. And if you guys haven't seen this story, you've got to check it out because the picture of the female pilots with the plane full of female girls, um, of course, female girls. Wow. It's been a long day. The plane full of little girls was so inspiring. And I think it's important for us to see ourselves as women in positions where we haven't historically been seen. I think it's the same thing when you see black people in positions that we don't usually see them in or white people in positions we don't usually see them in or yellow or brown folks. Like when I see white people come to black people, stuff that is just like, okay, there's mostly black people here. I'm like, good for you, sis. We need to all be in rooms like this together. And a lot of times I am in rooms where we're able to like really integrate uh, racially, and I think that's really important. Same thing when I see a black woman doing things or a black man doing things that historically have only been reserved for brown people or white people. I think the more that we can create points of intersection in our community and culture, the decrease we'll see in things like racism and stereotypes and a lack of understanding between cultures. And so I love this. We got a lot of work to do, but it's going to be amazing and stories like this are so helpful. Wanda Robinson says so Delta Airlines. Can I tell y'all so I live in Dallas or I lived in Dallas. Dallas was an American Airlines hub. I live in LA now. I really feel like LA is pretty much an American Airlines hub too because they got billboards all over the airport like American the only way to fly. But let me tell y'all when I go to Atlanta there is no denying who runs Atlanta. Delta runs Atlanta. Do you understand? And I be reading stories about Delta 24-7 that makes me feel like Delta knows the Lord. I'm not saying that they're Chick-fil-A saved, but I'm definitely suggesting that they go to church at least on Christmas and Easter because Delta, the little fifth graders, there's some fifth graders that were on a trip and the flight got canceled and then Delta came through with a plane and got them to their field trip. Delta is out here living their life. 
Okay. Darius says Atlanta is the Delta. <laughs> Christiana says, is an ad coming? Um, no, Delta has not asked me to do any ads, but if they would like me to, I will find a way to just weave it on in there. You won't even see it. We'll be in the, we'll be in the air and have taken off before you even see it coming. Brittany says, listen, at least Christmas and Easter. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So... I love that story about Delta. Rachel says Chick-fil-A and Delta are both based in Atlanta. So yeah, they probably do know the Lord. They probably they probably know him to his fullest glory and capacity. Tiffany says, I'm in Dallas and I wish Delta was our primary airline. I used to only, I'm like American, American. American was the only way I would rock. I had my mouths on American. I had got an upgraded status on American. But Delta is out here doing things for the community, okay? So let's see. Urgent care facility for mental health. This is another story that Jamie sent me so that I could be on vacation. She sent me stories, and we praise the Lord for that. So Greensboro, uh, this story is coming out of Greensboro. It says, officials broke ground Thursday on a round-the-clock center, the first in the state, that is expected to help people suffering from mental health crisis avoid long waits in emergency rooms. The facility at 931 Third Street will offer mental health urgent care in two 16-bed crisis centers, one for adults and one for children and adolescents. The 60,000-square-foot building is expected to open in early 2021. Traditionally, behavioral facilities have focused on mental health issues, so patients often are sent to a hospital to be screened for other medical problems. Patients can spend up to three days at the ER before their mental health or substance abuse needs are even addressed. Physicians at the new center will be able to treat patients for physical problems such as high blood pressure or diabetes in addition to issues related to mental health or substance abuse. Love this story as well because mental health is something that we really have to take seriously in our communities. And I love this idea of the urgent care facility for mental health. I think that over the last I want to say like five years that we've really become more intentional about making sure that we're having conversations about mental health, that we're breaking the stigma connected to it. As we see things play out in the news day after day after day, it is becoming increasingly more clear that mental health is like a thing. And when I say mental health, you guys have to understand like mental health, mental illnesses, like all of these things are separate categories, but your mental health is just like your physical health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, like mental health, like where are you? And your mental health is a scale, okay? You could have maybe balanced great mental health one day, and then you could be slipping, sliding into depression on another day. And you got to be able to identify that. I have been really more intentional about trying to make sure that I am asking myself how I am doing mentally because, okay, I'll give you an example. So today I went to Orange Theory and they're trying out this little preview of Hell Week. And let me tell you, Hell Week is what it is. I won't even get into that because we don't have the time and I don't have the energy. But I did Orange Theory. I packed my clothes. I had to go by the bank. I needed to be here by 1 o'clock to do the podcast. I set up all of the equipment for the podcast. When I leave here, I'm going to the airport to get on a plane to Austin. I got lost on my way to the bank because I'd never been to this branch before and I didn't know where to park and it was just a mess. And I started getting like anxious and I started thinking about all of the things I had to do today and should I try and cancel the podcast? Can I move it back another day? What 
What if I miss my flight? Well, all of these things. And I was like, you know what? Take a minute and identify what you're feeling. Because sometimes we live in anxious moments without identifying our anxiety. And I said, you know what? I'm a little anxious. My husband asked me how I was doing. I was like, I'm a little anxious. It was a bit overwhelming trying to keep up with the pace of the day. And I lost myself in the rhythm. And so like, I just took a minute. There's something about recognizing that you're off center that helps you bring yourself back in as much as you can or make decisions that help you to balance where you should be. And so I think that if you're listening and you're like me, like to really take your mental health seriously is to take a minute and not just survive, not just get through day to day, but to say like, how am I actually doing? We know you're going to be fine. We know you're strong. We know you're going to make it. But how are you doing right now? Okay, when you know how you're doing in the moment, it helps you to get to your goal. Tina says, I think sometimes people associate mental health with only mental illness, such as bipolar and et cetera. But it includes how you're dealing with day to day stress that comes from work, marriage and et cetera. So true. Marquia says, wow, that's a word, a whole word. Identify your anxiety. Um, <laughs> Alexandra wants to know if BetterHelp is coming. BetterHelp is actually my ad, but that wasn't my transition because I wrote my show notes before. I wrote my show notes before I had my anxiety. So if you want it, if you want the ad right now, we can have that. Okay. Okay, we can have the ad right now. If you're like me and you're struggling with the moments in your life where you feel like, you know what, I'm losing it right now and I just need a minute or I need someone to talk to, low key, like real talk. So I've been saying that when I get off a tour that I'm going to do, I'm going to find me a therapist so that I can go in and have a conversation. And I should have been using BetterHelp all along the way. But I just identified that, you know what, I would like to be able to talk to someone without feeling pressure to respond in a way that doesn't hurt their feelings or doesn't make them feel guilty. Like, I want to be able to say that somebody got on my nerves. And I could say that to the Lord, of course, but I sometimes just want a little bit of a sounding board. And I am looking forward to this opportunity through therapy to voice how I'm feeling, to say, you know what? I'm afraid. Wow. Imagine that, saying that I'm afraid instead of trying to be strong. And I think that when you come to yourself, come to a place where you're like, I wish I had someone to talk to. I wish I had someone to talk to that you need to consider downloading the BetterHelp app. BetterHelp is an organization that is committed to helping you on your mental health journey. You can begin today by using our partner and getting a discount that is 10% off your first month. I love that BetterHelp can... I love that with BetterHelp, you can engage at your own time and at your own pace. Whether you're just curious about the benefits of therapy and want to take it slow or you're ready to dive all in, BetterHelp has options that will meet you right where you are. There are four communication modes, text, chat, phone, and video. There are over 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states, and you're just a click away from starting communication today. BetterHelp offers secure, convenient, and professional support at an affordable rate. They even even have financial aid available for those who qualify. So your coins are not an excuse, sis. You got to get the help you need. Our listeners are receiving 10% off their first month with the discount code EVOLVE. You might as well get started today. So go to betterhelp.com EVOLVE. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com EVOLVE now. 
since y'all wanted to take my moment of anxiety when I was just trying to be transparent and, and, and try and see if the ad was coming. Boom. I just gave you the ad. But I was just trying to be transparent in the moment. But honestly, truly, it was a perfect segue that I hadn't even planned. But the Holy Ghost, the way the Holy Ghost works is he will create a segue. Oh, I feel a word coming. The Holy Ghost will create a segue for you. Somebody's been wondering how they're going to go from one level to the next level. I hear God saying, there's a segue coming. There's Y'all better catch this word while it's marinating and percolating in the system. God is creating a segue, okay, for you right now. Spot the segue. Can you see it coming? Okay. Talia says, mental health is amazing. I struggle with depression and anxiety, so I seek help and I don't take medication. Hallelujah. Akra says, I've also been saying that I want to get a therapist to go through my feelings regarding a very hard season so I can release and move forward more freely. Takia says, you already did your homework. So I did. Okay, so... Rachel says, I want to move to Baltimore so Dr. Anita can be my therapist. Can't find one here. Dr. Anita was actually a therapist on BetterHelp. So you may not have to move to get someone at least as quality as Dr. Anita. All right, child. Y'all know what time it is. It's time for the advice section. And I have some questions here. I'm going to dive right in. And delegation, I need you to listen up because our girls are out here and they need help. So it says, good morning. When I was 13, I found out that my older sister, my little sister, and my little brother's dad wasn't my dad. He snuck off behind my mom's back and got a paternity test. Growing up, I would feel ostracized when he would pick them up. I felt completely rejected. Not long after I found out he wasn't my father, I met my dad. My dad was very accepting of me. The only thing was when I turned 16, I decided that I wanted to meet his family, but he made excuses. I pushed it off until I turned 18 and asked again. Again, there was an excuse. August of last year, I decided to look up on Facebook everyone with his last name. Mostly everyone that I messaged contacted me back, but they didn't know who my dad was. The last person I messaged never replied back in March, but... Mm, never replied back until March of this year. There we go. Hallelujah. The last person I messaged never replied back until March of this year. Long story short, because I know you're a busy woman, the last person I messaged contacted me, contacted me back and he was my dad's nephew. And result of that, I met most of my dad's family and they have shown me nothing but love. I've never called my dad, dad. It feels hard for me to call him dad. How do I get to a place where I can call him dad? Oh, and I'm 24 now, so I feel like I should be used to calling him dad now. You know, sis, I, you know, I've never been in your situation before, so I am speaking somewhat ignorantly, but I wanna say that you've been through a lot and that word dad, has a level of trauma connected to it because of what you experience with your siblings. And then, you know, the maybe rejection is too strong of a word, but the rejection that you experienced when your father didn't introduce you to the rest of the family. So I think until you sort through those things and until you accept those things, that you won't feel relieved from the pressure of having to call him dad. Because the truth is you got to do that at your own pace and when you're ready and when it feels organic to you. I mean, throughout this thing, you call him dad all the time, my dad, my dad, my dad. But there's something with you actually saying that to him. And I think that you should 
do things at your own pace. I think having some therapy, and no, there's not an ad coming. I think having some therapy would be helpful to really understand the weight of what occurred to you and how it has impacted your ability to connect with your father. But at the end of the day, I think it's bigger than when can I call him dad. I think it's really sorting through the revelation of him being your dad and taking some time to be patient with where you guys are in your relationship. Darius says, nah, don't force calling him dad. Come up with a nickname of some sort that means something significant but not reminiscent of the pain. Khadijah Jones says, take your time and be easy on yourself. Tanisha says, you don't have to call him dad either. Just get to know him and allow the love to heal all wounds. Alyssa Wesley says, I was born out of wedlock wedlock so my dad neglects me and don't tell his family about me but I still call him dad I pray that God help us to have a relationship yeah that's tough we're praying for you sis Shannon Hopkins says take your time let it come naturally I'll tell you I mean my stepchildren bonus children and I like my husband and I had been married for a little bit and it was like what do we call her you know like we, they were calling me Sarah for a little bit and which my mother was like listen honey we're from the south we're not going to do this first name basis thing call it old school call it whatever but I think that we ultimately came to a place like what can we call this not dishonoring to their mom but um, also make space for this role that I am fulfilling day in and day out as being a part of the village that's taking care of them and we settled on Madre so my bonus kids call me Madre and there may be something like that you know Pops you know Paul I don't know sis I say you take your time and you do what comes naturally to you Lene says I'm curious about how the dad felt about her contacting the family yeah I mean, and there's layers to this letter. You know, I only have the information that she sent me, but there are layers. I want you to hear from Crystal Harrison, who went through a similar situation. She writes, I went through a similar situation, only I was given up at birth. You don't have to call him dad, but embrace him and his family. I waited too late, but was able to honor his wish before he passed away. And that was to see me. He passed the next day after seeing me. Thank you, Crystal, for sharing your story. Sammy says, I went to live with my paternal grandmother when I was three years old, and I didn't meet my mom until I was 22 years old. It took me quite some time to call her mom. Sometimes I still refer to her by the first name. Yeah, I says, you got to be on your journey. Don't feel pressure. Take your time. And when it feels natural and organic, you'll do it. And if it doesn't feel natural and organic, then that is natural and organic for you. Okay, so like don't feel pressure just because that's the role that he plays doesn't mean that that's the name that he has to have. So let's see. My next question says, hello, Pastor Jakes Roberts. I hope this message does find you. I'm a praying woman, though not baptized, but I do love the Lord. I wanted to ask you a question. Is there a meaning behind when you pray and fall into the Holy Spiritual? Hmm. I pray about my relationship in covering me, my job, my family, and so on, but I seem to catch the Holy Spirit a lot of the time. Can you advise what this may mean? Is this God's way of telling me he can hear me? Would love to hear back from you if you do come across my message. So um, I love this message a lot, and I think that it speaks to how seriously you are connecting with God. You know, I think prayer is an invitation for God's presence to be in your 
atmosphere and in your situation. And so I am not surprised that when you pray that you experience that. I think a lot of times people have prayed out of like religious obligation or they're just like, you know, muttering and grumbling their prayers. But when you pray with sincerity, like when I pray, I like, it starts off as meditation, really. Like I start off really silent. And I start to think to myself just about like who God is. Like I think about this earth and the way it was created and how the sun rises and sets and the moon takes its place. And it's been doing that for thousands of years and how the oceans move and roar and how it's been doing that for thousands of years. And then I think about the ultimate creator of that. So it's positioning God properly. That's what I like to do. I start off by meditating. I don't come to God just like, God, can you do this? And God, can you do that? But I start by like acknowledging who he is and the power connected to who he is, his character of consistency and faithfulness in my life. And then I just invite him into the areas where I need him, where I need his presence to show up. If you think about it, a lot of the things that we end up wanting to ask God for can be cured by simply his presence being invited into that area. When we invite God's presence into our health, then we know that there is healing in his presence. There's breakthrough in his presence. We invite God's presence into our, you know, maybe toxic patterns or weaknesses, then there is strength to overcome that. There's perspective, like, God, I'm inviting you into my brokenness. God, you know, I'm inviting you into the trauma of what it was like to be rejected, and I want to know your perspective. Well, I can't have God's perspective unless I have God's presence. And when I have God's presence, I have an elevated perspective that helps me to see maybe how another person's brokenness broke me or how I still had strength after that moment. Like, God, show me, how was I able to recover? Like, everyone else calls me so strong, but I got pregnant as a teenager. Like, God, show me what it was about me that made me strong. And God will reveal to you from his perspective the steps that you took in those broken moments that made you still have peace, that allowed you to keep swinging at it instead of what you've gone through. And so prayer for me is about inviting God's presence into my circumstance and situation. And when you do that, it can be a very spiritual experience because you're no longer looking at your life and your world through your perspective, but through God's perspective. And I think the goal is to walk day in and day out with that perspective. That's what we talk, like walking in the spirit, walking with the spirit. So like if we're doing this thing called life right and we're not letting moments like our anxiety and our rush and our pace and our insecurities to dictate who we are, but we come to a place and we're like, okay, I'm moving ahead of the spirit or I'm moving ahead of where I should be. Let me reset by first inviting the spirit, inviting God's presence into my day. God, I'm anxious. God, I feel anxiety. I'm inviting your presence into my day. Help me to see my boss the way you see them. Help me to love my husband the way that you love him. I'm inviting your presence into this moment because when your presence is here, then I can walk into the spirit and I can be a reflection of that. That felt like a lot. I hope it made sense. Lauren Stovall says, this is what I love about this platform. This question is what I am currently studying as I have been wanting to understand hearing God's voice. So I just today started reading a book called Understanding the Master's Voice. You got to let us know how that is. It sounds amazing. Talia says, right. I agree, Sarah. Creating an atmosphere that allows the Holy Spirit to come in and overwhelm you, overwhelm you being in the present allows God to move. Keisha says, good way of explaining it. Andrina says, I write a lot of my prayers as letters to my daddy, opening with thanking him for getting me through the day or night. 
Absolutely. Nick says prayer shouldn't be based only on requests, but to also give thanks for everything God has already done. And at the end of the day, like I'm really sensitive to not asking God for things just because I (laughs) asked God for a lot of things that I did not receive. And he ended up giving me something that I didn't even know to pray for. So for me, with my walk with God, like I just invite his presence. And I think when we position him properly, that we connect with him. Okay, because when we just make it about like this genie thing, like, God, you're a genie. Give me what I need. Give me what I need. Like, we don't connect with him properly. I think to see him properly says, like, I reverence your position. I reverence your power. I reverence your ability to do the impossible. Now, God, I am inviting that same power into my life so that it can do whatever it needs to do. So, God, if you're not going to cure my body, then show me why I'm in this sickness, God. If it is not in your will... And that doesn't mean that you can't ask, but you can you can ask God to heal your body. You can ask God to to cast out spirits. You can ask God to give you clarity and to give you vision. But you want to make sure that what you're asking God for is aligned with what God wants to do. And you have to make sure that you are not so committed to getting what you want that you don't allow God's will to take place. So, God, I'm asking for you to move on my behalf. God, I'm asking for you to pass this cup. Y'all better. She's finna preach. God, I'm asking for you to take this cup out of my hand. I don't want to have to drink from this bitter cup. I don't want to have to get on this cross. I don't want to have to go through this divorce. I don't want to have to raise these children on my own. God. God, please take this cup out of my hand. But at the end of the day, I am not so committed to you giving me what I want that I'm willing to miss your will, which means that if you don't give me what I'm praying for, if it is not in your will for me to have it, then that means you're going to give me the strength to endure it. And that's a word. And I'm not about to, I'm preaching tomorrow. I'm not going to preach on the podcast. Katima says, that's why we must give praise for his works first. And Kamisha says, that's good. Marissa says, yes. Melody Way says, that is so good. I'm struggling with some decisions in my life right now. And thank you for re- reminding me that his will is more important than what I want for. So, so true. Lovey says, oh, I, oh my, I feel the Holy Spirit in this moment on this live. Come on, SJR. Come on now, God, for delivering this word through this. Listen, that I'm not going to mess with y'all because I got a flight to catch him. We've been done. You know the delegation like a good praise break is what I'm saying, okay? Don't demon bully is tucked away. So how about that? Okay, so my last advice question says, Big Sis, I hope you've gotten or are getting some rest. I don't know if you have found your advice question yet or not, but I am struggling a little. I've never, ever had a boyfriend and I'm still a virgin at 28 years old. It has always been a deep desire to be married and have a family, like since I was a little girl, like I used to play house and stuff. I know, embarrassing, right? Anyways, I'm struggling with God's plan for me, waiting on his time, like my spirit knows the right answer, you know, but my heart hurts. I'm lonely and confused. I know I'm not supposed to compare myself to everyone else, but I'm like, Lord, in all my years, not one soul, not one boyfriend. Is something wrong with me? Sometimes I just want to risk it all. But then again, I'm like, that's not really me. So yes, sis, I've been struggling with that. Then it's like, I've never, ever met or seen anyone who's been in my shoes. So I have no testimony to look forward or up to. I know a 34-year-old virgin who is about to get married to a woman he deeply loves, a man who waited until he was 34 and is about to get married to a woman he deeply loves. So I want you to know that it's happening, okay? People are out here saving themselves. And this is what I want to tell you, Mariah. Um, The Lord has delivered me 
from a mighty long way. And I am thankful that God has made all things work together for my good. The thing is this. I've met an incredible man and my husband. And once again, God allowed all things to work together for my good. I cannot tell you how I think I wish. I want to use this very carefully because God has used everything that I've ever gone through for his glory. And I am not regretful of anything. But having met the person that God created for me to be married to, I wish that I could have given him the gift of my body untouched. Now, I know that that's a bit deep and some of us aren't able. Uh, And you know what? Because I walked with the Lord and changed my ways in many ways, this version of me was untouched. But what I am saying is this. I wish that in church we would have spent less time talking about just the biblical reasons of why you shouldn't have sex before marriage and spent more time teaching women to value their bodies in such a way that they saw it as a treasure and a gift that not anyone should have access to. I commend you for waiting. We have daughters who are virgins. I meet a lot of women who are saving themselves from marriage. And I think it's absolutely amazing. There's something that happens to you when you're no longer a virgin. Sometimes you're strong enough to be like, you know what, I'm going to be celibate. If you're like me and you struggled in life a little bit, you'd be like, well, listen, I done lost the card now. And you just let things go on down the hill. I think that the times in the past that I gave myself away, that what I was ultimately looking for in those encounters was for someone to see value in my body. And because I did not see that value myself, I ended up having relationships with people who didn't value me. I think that you have to remember your why. You have to remember why it is that you have chosen this path and remember the honor and worth and value connected to it. And to begin praying that God would, um, sometimes you need to be snapped back to your why. It's nothing wrong with you being, um, you know, sometimes having moments where you feel like, listen, sis, I'm about to just risk it all and have a moment. I think that that's got to be normal when on your journey. But I think you've got to have moments like this where you go back to your journal or go back to this podcast and you remember your why. Your body is valuable. It should not just be shared loosely with whoever gives you attention. You shouldn't just go out and risk it all. It sounds like a good idea in the moment. But when that person doesn't value you the way that you value yourself and you've waited 28 years you hold value to yourself okay when that person doesn't reflect that value it can be very damaging very hurtful and can create patterns and toxic behaviors that chase you down for years upon years as hard as it is listen let me tell you something I feel a word and then I'm going to turn to the delegation honey I'll never forget when I was Going into the Louis Vuitton store and I asked that lady, I said, when do you all have sales? And she says, ma'am, we don't go on sale, which means that they have to be willing to let people come in and come out who cannot afford their prices and cannot afford them in any season of the year. But they are waiting for that one person who's not looking for a sale. What I'm saying to you is this, is that you have to withstand the disappointment of people not being able to pay the price to be with you so that when you have the right person that they don't ask for a discount and you're going to find that person. I believe in it. 
Ashanti says, hold on, God has a plan for your life. Ashley says, I think even if it was discussed in church, I believe it's deeper than we have revelation to see. Mm. Tiffany Wilson says, needed this and all of these comments. I'm in the same boat. Come on, you said you. And then, you know what, sis, do something about this. Like, So you're saying that you've never met someone in this boat. Start a Facebook group. Start an Instagram page. Connect so that you guys can like be connected with one another so that you don't feel so isolated on this journey because there are other women who are in the same boat as you are. And it is nice to know I'm not the only one. There is nothing that has changed my life like realizing I'm not the only one who has gone through what I have gone through. The same thing is applicable to you. I want to encourage you to take these feelings and instead of wrestling with them to become a champion for voices like yours and stories like yours so that other people can be encouraged and to have moments like this like y'all can have like listen y'all could get really creative with this like we're going to have we're not doing one night stands but we're going to have a girls night out and we're going to veg out and watch rom-coms or have bible studies one night out of the month it's time for the the one night stand where we take a stand for our purity and our value by connecting with other women who are on this road of celibacy and purity and we connect and we have a good time and we just encourage one another on the journey change what it means to have a one night stand like there are just so many things that you guys can do and i just i don't know i'm wishing you luck on your journey Uda says, I know that this situation is hard, but I believe that she has to keep trusting God. Something is important. Work in your purpose and the rest God will give you. Um, Monica says, the no one night stand committee. Katima says, don't let the enemy shame you, girl, because he tried to shame the women that don't wait. He tried to shame the women that don't wait. Leonka Lyon says, I've been celibate for over two years and my sister and I just discussed that it's just not worth it. I'll wait for what God has for me. You just listen. I wish... But I don't because God made it all work together. Okay. Lovey says, yes, we need that, sis, for this next generation of young women. Naomi says, yes. So who's coming to my purity sleepover? You guys should do that. Lanisha says, that's a really good idea. One night stand. I love that. Take it. Somebody take it and make it work. And send us pictures and stories and testimonies from, we need to have a woman evolve one night stand once a month where my girls who are out here practicing celibacy and purity can get together and we're just going to stand up to lust we're going to stand up to temptation and we're going to say we're going to maintain our value we're going to maintain our purity and we're going to eat some carbs or veggie sticks and connect with one another while we take this stand how about that okay so um oh listen it's snack time in the sanctuary listen i okay i want to challenge you guys the way that i've been challenging myself then i'm going to go get on this airplane Sandra says, hey, Sarah, it's part three of the Behind the Conference dropping tonight. It is. If you guys haven't been watching on Woman Evolve TV, I take you behind the scenes of the Woman Evolve Conference to see how everything has come together. So you guys have to check that out. But listen, I just want to encourage you guys to. I want to use the right word for those of you guys who are in relationship with people who you love, value and honor, whether it's friends, mothers, um, spouses to take a moment and just ask, how can I serve you? So I have been really challenging myself to not just do the bare minimum. Like, I don't feel like I'm a bare minimum person, but sometimes even my norm 
of extra is my bare minimum, if that makes sense. So I'm an extra person, okay? So I like to do above and beyond for people because I'm just extra. But that is my norm. And every now and then I feel challenged to step out of my normal way of connecting with people and do something that I know will bless them or surprise, be a surprise blessing. Listen, when you are a consistently a blessing in people's life, your blessing of, your blessing your identity of blessing them can become your norm. But every now and then you should surprise bless them. I think to my husband um, and I's point when we were talking about taking one another for granted is that you do so much for someone that what is a sacrifice for you becomes the norm. And sometimes in our day-to-day existence, what is our normal way of blessing people becomes our norm. And every now and then, I just like to take a minute and go above and beyond to bless someone in a way that they're maybe not expecting or not not counting on. Not because I haven't been doing well, because a lot of times we challenge people to like, you know, it's not just about you. Don't be selfish. But what if it's never about you? You're not selfish and you're functioning well. But every now and then you just want to go a little further in blessing someone like yesterday for Boss's Day, we Um, loaded up some Starbucks gift cards and sent it out on Woman Evolve. Like, we didn't have to do that. But there was something that was like, just go beyond. Just go beyond in your generosity. Just go beyond in your servanthood. It doesn't mean that you have to create this new pattern. Sometimes it's going to be a stretch for you to do it and you can't do it all of the time. But to just go beyond to acknowledge the people in your life, the gift that they are in your life, so that they can just feel the appreciation that comes with being seen I think that like honestly I wasn't even planning for that to all be tied in together but at the end of the day I guess that's what we're talking about is like go out of your way to acknowledge someone and to say that you really see them by serving them or giving an active service that you know will bless them you know like Babe, sit down. I want to watch Chicago PD with you or mom, I'm coming over. I'm going to cook your favorite meal. You don't have to do it. And maybe you can't do it every single day. But just because you can't do it every single day doesn't mean that you can't do it once in a while and that that once in a while doesn't have value. So be a once in a while extra blessing. How about that? A once in a while extra blessing. I'm sure there's a way that we can make that the podcast title. So... I think that um, that's my sack. Let's see. Adrena says, hallelujah. And Janine says, thank you, Sarah, for teaching me so much. Sandy wants to know, will I ever come to Green Bay, Wisconsin? I will see what I can do. I will tell you that it won't be in the wintertime because I've seen videos of what it's like when it's snowing. Katima says, going beyond. Remember the why. Thanks, Sarah, girl. Your word hit home. Lynette says, that's good. Mary says, how did you know God wanted you to do what you're doing? How did you come across your call? I will answer that on next week's podcast. I'm going to ask the Woman Evolve team to cut and paste that for me. Rachel says, this is good. Everybody everybody loves a just because moment. That's all I'm saying. I'm a little tired, and I told you I was anxious today. But Rachel summed up exactly what I meant. Have a just be, be a just because blessing for someone in this season and see if it doesn't bless you to be a blessing to other people. Father... <laughs> We invite you and your presence into every circumstance of our life. God, it is my prayer that as we invite you, that our pace will slow down so that your pace can pick up. Father, today has been a fast day for me. I wasn't planning on doing this podcast. 
and I cranked it out, but I missed the most important part, and that is making sure that I seal our time together with your love, your perspective, your wisdom, your grace. And so, Father, I ask that you forgive me for not keeping the main thing the main thing, but that you would restore, Father, the time. Um, and that everything would go smoothly with our travels and with the rest of our day. But I just thank you, God, for what you're doing within the delegation. I thank you that we are taking seriously our responsibility to be a just because blessing. Every day that we have an opportunity to be your hands and feet on the earth is a day that we can't take for granted. So, God, I thank you that as we step in our identity to be a reflection of you, that you're going to add everything that we need and subtract everything that we don't need someone's going through a hard time right now and they want to see you show up, Father, I ask that you show up, not just in the way that they need, but in a way that they could not expect at all. Because we serve a just because kind of God. And when all is said and done and everything has set and we're moving on to the next dimension, we will look back and we will thank you for allowing all things to work together for our good, even those things that in the moment felt like they were painful, that you used them for purpose. So I love you, God. I love the delegation. And I thank you so much for what you're doing with us. In Jesus' name. I love y'all. I'm headed to Austin. If you know somebody who's in the area, and by in the area, I mean Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, El Paso, Washington, D.C. You see what I'm saying? Anybody who can get to Austin, I need you to be in Austin tomorrow. I want to see you. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week. Bye.